Good morning. Two Greeks in Jesus' name this morning. I welcome you here. As already mentioned in our adult Sunday school class, Gary mentioned about what happened 20 years ago. Those that are old enough to remember that can very well remember what happened that day. And as Gary was sharing about those that are involved in emergency work, I was somewhat uh, interested or fascinated how this uh, related the title or the subject that was the call. And 9-11 is 9-1-1. And I was doing some quick searching just to see what that first call was that was made about the Twin Towers, and I, was, I wasn't able to find it quickly. But there was a lot of, a lot of um, information about that. And New York particularly being under a overload of 911 calls. And as my mind continued to uh, wander or move on, I remembered that the primary Sunday school class this morning had Jeremiah 33.3. And that's God's call number. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. I found that comforting to know that does God's call line get overloaded? If it does, it's not going to get burdened. It's not going to collapse. But that's not the point of my message here this morning. But the point is that there were some events this past week, and that being one of them was 9-11, 20 years ago. Also, exactly two years ago that day as well, yesterday, was when we found out that Christy had a cancer. And another one is, this past week, was the start of school. Some places school started earlier, but for us, school started this past week. School comes with mixed feelings. There's something to getting back into a schedule. We call a summer schedule and a school schedule. And you know what I mean. I don't have to explain that. But you know, it's not bad. Some people like it. Some people hate it. School is important. If you go to school, whether you go to a school that you need to go away from home or whether you're homeschooled, it's important to learn. And Alice alluded to this as well. What if we lived in a society that didn't care about school? What if we couldn't read and write? We are blessed to have that privilege. Have a freedom to have school and to be able to homeschool. That's where my thoughts went. 
obviously there was a big change in our family. We went from two children going to school to four going to school. The house is quiet. Also, I remembered my first day of school. It'd be interesting to know what your first days of school were. I'll be honest with you, I cried my first day for a little bit. I was thrown into a school with a bunch of other children that were my same age, and I had no clue what I was into. But it didn't take me long. And as I remember, I had fun. I learned. At one point in our lives, we have to start somewhere. Whether that's kindergarten or preschool or first grade, you had to have a place to start. This morning I'd like to give you the ABCs of life school. <clears throat> the first one I have for A is attentive. Now I know the teachers are just loving this now. Teachers, how well do you like your students to be attentive. Are you satisfied with 50%? Are you satisfied with 20%? How well would school go if your students were attentive that little? It takes 100%. It takes interest on the student's part. It takes interest on the teacher's part. And I think with those combined, 100% can be achievable. And it makes it easier. It makes it easier for the student. It makes it easier for the teacher. Turn with me to Luke 19. Verse 48, actually I'll read verse 47, Luke 19, 47, 48. And he taught daily in the temple, but the, tree, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him and could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Here's an illustration, an example of the people being attentive to Jesus' teaching. How well are we attentive when God speaks to us? Do we pay attention? Do we perk up? Are we like Samuel? Say, here am I. Speak, Lord. That's A, attentive. B is for books. Remember the first day of school? And you get your books? You remember the smell of those new books? I do. Somehow that smell didn't last very long. And I'm not sure why. If I just got used to it or if it's because 
maybe I was rougher with my books, but I remember that first day, the smell being, just went with the first day of school. It wasn't that I just really loved it, but it just, it was there. Books, you need material. You need material to study. The most important book that you're going to ever study is the Word of God, the Bible. Wednesday night I had instruction class, and that lesson two was lesson on studying God's Word. How do we study God's Word? How do we make it real? How do we apply it? What are things we can do to to uh, find interest in different ways of studying? The Bible will never get old of its study. There's always new things that pop out, that enlighten and give us guidance as we continue to learn and dig into it. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Second Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Also Second Timothy chapter three. I should be able to quote that one as well. Sixteen and seventeen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There God's word is for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Why? So that we can be perfect. Acts seventeen eleven. There were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Part there that I like is the readiness of mind. They had a willingness to learn. Their minds were pliable. They're like sponges. Teachers know when they have students that have brains like a sponge. They want more. They can't stop. That's B. C is for Keller. I suppose you can go to school without Keller crayons. But Keller is important. At least if you take up art. And I suppose you could do art without color too. But where would the beauty be? In painting or drawing. Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 18, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. 
Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The reason I chose that scripture is it does the comparison of our sins being like crimson, red, and then being washed as white as snow. Numbers 11, verse 7, is another example. And the manna was as corridor seed, and the color thereof as the color of bendulum. Does anybody know what color bendulum is? It's got a reddish brown color. It's a gum resin, and it's brought from India, Persia, and Africa. So it says the color of manna was this color, as bendulum. And we could go on. Those were just two examples that I pulled out of the scripture for my C word for color. And I thought it could have been fun to make an acrostic of the whole alphabet, but maybe another time. I almost think Arnie might have done that one time. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and see if that's saved in the archives of our recording. But I almost remember something like that. But for now, we're just going to go with the ABCs. You know, sometimes school has its challenges. There's always the first day. There's always the first week. There's always the first month. Before long, you go to school. And then it's, I hate school. I could learn this so much better if I didn't have to do this. I could just skip school. I can learn by experience. I can stay home. I don't need to know this stuff. Those are some of the thoughts that can run through your mind. Maybe they ran through my mind. I remember sitting in school, particularly for me, fall and spring were the hardest because those were the times that I enjoyed farming. And of course, farming meant being out in the field in a tractor. And So I suppose Alice could probably testify to this, that I probably sat there my fair share of time staring out the window. And it actually wasn't until my upper grades, probably 7th or 8th, maybe ninth, somewhere in there, that I finally started enjoying school. My encouragement is just do it. Do it without grumbling. Do it without whining. Have a joyful attitude about it. Now, 
I'm talking about the school of life as well. This isn't just for you as students that are in school, although it is for you as students in school, but it's also for those of us that are in the school of life. Have you ever heard of whiny people? Whiny voice? Seems like sometimes that's the only way they can be happy, it's just whine. They grumble, they're irritated at everything, doesn't matter what they say. The negative side of things seem to always predominate. And youngsters sometimes generally don't shy away from that. And they can let it be known what they don't like or what's unpleasant. So it's our jobs as parents to instill a healthy practice of contentment and gratitude and not grumble. God wants us to be grateful. God doesn't like grumbling. When we constantly whine and complain, is that an insult to God? Maybe my dot wasn't big enough. Well, congratulations to your parents. The illustration is that I have a piece of paper here and it has a dot on it. And you're supposed to focus and, you know, there's a dot on the paper. Well, your focus is on that dot on the paper and you forget about that there's a piece of paper. And all the white around it and all the blank space that's around it, it's... I don't know, I was going to calculate up what percentage of, but it has to be like 99.9% almost a given that this paper is still paper. Sometimes life can be like a dot, and we focus on that dot, and we become distracted. And we get so uh, engrossed in that dot, and we forget about all the rest of the paper that's around us, all the rest of the white. And paper can illustrate the blessings of God and all the things that God gives us. And that dot is my problem. And maybe you have more than one dot. Maybe you have a couple dots. But you know, there's still a lot of blessing around that dot. It's your attitude, it's your perception of how you focus on that. It comes down to our choice. Are we going to focus on the dot? 
Philippians chapter 2. Verses 14 through 16. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, Here I think Paul is giving us an example of avoiding negative comments. Makes us stand out. Makes us shine as light. We're going to be people that will be appreciated if uh, we have that attitude of appreciation, of gratitude, of the blessings that we have. You know, there's people, it mentions a crooked and perverse nation, or, yeah, nation. Those that are whining and complaining about us, around us. You know, it doesn't take much to upset somebody sometime. Philippians 4, back a couple chapters, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Excuse me. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whosoever... Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul's giving us another example, and that is of being thankful. Rather than grumbling, we need to receive every situation, pray, and ask God for guidance, and with a heart of thanksgiving. If you have a heart of thanksgiving, it is hard to whine. When you're thinking about gratitude, instead of a negative grousing, we can be thankful. And we put our minds on what is true and pure and lovely and admirable. That is how we will eliminate the wine press. How do we relate? To those around us. First Peter chapter four. Verses eight and nine, first Peter four. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for the charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudgingly. Here, if you want to take care of whining and 
complaining. You need to think of others and be hospital and focus on them and not on your dot. Love, I think, is the key to eliminating complaining. And you know what? If we don't have love and we're complaining, I think sometimes we can often wind up gossiping as we vent and complain. But when we love, and I believe this verse is talking about having charity cover the multitude of sins, it's that love, I think, that actually covers up those things that maybe we would love to say about someone that is not neither here nor there. Whether that's ill feelings towards someone or whatever relationship issues there are. The Bible also explains the dangers of whining. In the Old Testament, people of Israel, they were brought out of Egypt and they weren't out very long and they were whining to Moses about the condition, the lack of food, the lack of water. God started providing. He had God provided manna. It wasn't long. They were dissatisfied with that and they wanted meat. And there was no end to their grumbling. And you know what? God dealt very harshly with that. And I think us as Christians, we need to be very careful with our whining and grumbling. Turn to Numbers chapter 11. Verse 1 and 2. Numbers 11, 1 and 2. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them, and were that were in the uttermost part of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. God didn't like the complaining hearing about the hardship that they were going through when the Lord was leading them and his anger was aroused and sent fire and consumed some of those that were in the camp. Clearly, we can see God can easily strike down those that grumble and complain. But yet, you know, his mercy and his goodness still shine through as well. And he's gracious to hear our concerns, our woes, even when um, it may not be easy. But I think it has to do with our heart, our outcry. What is our feeling? Is it a feeling of thanksgiving, no matter if the circumstance is hard? Anything other than that, I think, can be an insult to God saying that I want to do it my way. I think I can do it better. And we ignore and neglect the amazing power that God can have through that. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40.
verse 27, Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Another prescription to taking care of whining, overdose, is we should remember that God does care. There's strength that we can find in that. He will listen. He will hear. He'll hear our hearts cry when we pray. Constantly, constant prayer keeps us rooted in God's love, but only when it is in genuinely, genuinely demonstrated with thankfulness too. He'll give us the strength to go through whatever we're facing. There's a story of a second grader named Mike. I think this is you, Mike. Maybe it was. On his way to school, Mike's arm bumped against the seat of the bus and it made a big scrape. Blood went everywhere, got all over his clothes. He had forgotten his homework paper, so he got into trouble for that. At recess, he hit his mouth and he lost two teeth. After school, he slipped on the ice and broke his wrist. Sounds like a bad day. On the way to the hospital, he reached into his pocket with his good hand and he pulled something out. His father asked him, what is it? He said, it's a quarter, 25 cents. I found it when I was on the ground, when I fell. It's the first quarter I ever found. It's the best day of my life. Now that may seem a little far out, but I think it illustrates the point very well. A lot of bad things happened to that little boy that day. But the fact that he found 25 cents and said that was the best day of his life showed how thankful and gratitude he was toward that. Attitude has a lot to do with it. Attitude is more important than education. Attitude is more important than money, than circumstance, than failure, than success, than successes. What other people may say or do, it's more important than the appearance, the skills that you may have. It will make or break a company. Your attitude will make or break a company. Your attitude will make or break a church. And your attitude will make or break a home. 
the remarkable thing is you have a choice. And every day, regarding that attitude, how you embrace that day, the events that come into your life, we cannot change the past. We cannot change the fact that people act in certain ways. We cannot change the invitable. The only one thing we can do, and that is play on the string that we have, and that is our attitude. Is life consisted of 10% of what happens and 90% of how I react to it? And so, do we need to change your attitude? Giving thanks always for all things unto God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.20 Do you find difficulty with bitterness, selfishness, self-pity, negativism, or pride? An attitude of gratitude can change those things and literally transform your life. There's four levels of living. People on the lowest level constantly complain. These folks are always gripping and complaining. Gripping, griping, and complaining. Rather than being humble, grateful, they grumble hatefully. The second level is just a tad bit higher. These are not, these are not the people who are constantly complaining, but that they give thanks for anything they take things for granted. The third level are those who thank God for the obvious blessings when things are going good and everything's fine. But when things turn the other way, then it's different. The fourth level is the highest level, and they are those that give thanks always for all things. This is the attitude that will change your life. Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our gratitude is proper. Anything good that you have that you have acquired or that, have, that you have has come from God. You didn't get it by luck. You didn't get it by ingenuity, hard work, wit, or wisdom. It is proper to thank God that you got it. Our gratitude should, should be perpetual. Not just thankful for one day, but thankful for every day. Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen talks about His blessings, God's blessings being stowed upon us every day. He loadeth us with benefits. Every day that you have, God gives you a blessing. There is something that you can thank God for. Is your prayer salted with thanksgiving? Our gratitude should be pervasive. In everything, give thanks. Not in just some things, but in all things. 
every area of our life, every aspect, every everything that is maybe hard to let go, we need to give thanks. We don't see the whole picture. Do you want to live on the highest level of life? Cultivate the attitude of gratitude always and in all things. Don't care how bad, difficult, dark, or mysterious things get. Take the ultimate step of faith and say, God, you're greater than this, and I thank you. And you say, well, I don't like thanking him. But you still can take that step of faith and say thank you. It's not about feelings, but it's about faith. God is sovereign, and God will be there in every situation. Our gratitude should be pleasurable. Thankful people are all most times happy people. And it's fun to be around those that are happy. Our gratitude is possible. The Holy Spirit can help us to have the strength to find a source of making it possible that we can have gratitude. It's as we're filled with the Holy Spirit that we can give thanks. And that is the only way that we can do it. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that we can have that thanksgiving. Here in Ephesians, this is where I'm pulling these verses from, Paul is a good example. He was in prison and he turned his prison into a palace by being thankful. Bitterness, fear, self-pity, ungratefulness, negativism will go out of your life if you practice the grace of gratitude. In closing, With God's help, you can change. It starts in the heart. If there are some big challenges that you may be facing, take them to God. You can share your heart with God, but I believe the difference is if you're coming to God with a spirit of gratitude, a thanksgiving, your attitude will change. We are all in the school of life. And there are tests that come our way. How well do we handle those tests? Do we pass? Do we fail? I remember in school having a few tests that I failed. And the second time around, I learned a lot more.
It's not the end of the road if you fail your test. Most important thing is to learn. And keep learning. Redo. Not all is lost. Sometimes in life there's failures. And we need to get up and keep going. What will your lessons be this next week? This next year? Are you excited about school? Teachers like when their students are attentive. Is God like when we're attentive? I want to close with reading Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through verse 27. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are like they are life unto those that find them, and healeth to all their flesh. Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, a perverse lips. Put far from thee. Let thine, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Shall we kneel for prayer?